Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. Welcome to Heritage Bible Radio, where this week we return to our current study through the book of Mark. Due to COVID-19, we've been playing past episodes for you for a few weeks, but today we jump right back into Mark chapter 7 at verse 31. If you wanted to gather a crowd and assure that people would hear what you had to say, here's an idea you can borrow from Jesus. Perform some genuine miracles, like healing instantly, maladies that modern medicine can't touch. And if you really want people to hang around for a while, try producing thousands of meals out of nothing. Well, admittedly, as effective as they are, you probably can't borrow those ideas from Jesus. Well, here, again, Jesus performs more miracles as he preaches the gospel of the kingdom of God. Here is today's slice of the message entitled, Miracle Hearing, Speaking, and Eating. Now let's forge ahead. Let's see another case of a miracle version 2.0, like we've seen one before. Miracle number one, be opened. Miracle number two, sit and eat. And we're going to roll right over into Mark chapter 8. I think the chapter break between Mark 7 and Mark 8 is, is one of those that is probably established just to keep chapters from being inconveniently long, and it is the end of one incident, the beginning of another one, but it's the same general time, it's the same general place, it's the same general Gentile group of people in the same region of Decapolis, and so it's not a logical break. There's actually much more connection than there is break from the end of chapter 7 to the beginning of chapter 8. Look at the description of it in the first three verses. In those days... So it wasn't on the same day that he healed that guy. In those days, when there was again a large crowd, so he'd probably moved from one place to another, still within the region of Decapolis, and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint along the way. And some of them have come from a great distance. Now, there's one of those tasty little morsels here uh, in what Jesus said. This is the, the only record of Jesus using the word compassion to describe His own reaction to physical needs. Now, before He fed the 5,000-plus women and children. He, he mentioned he had compassion for the people's spiritual condition. He said they're like a, a sheep without a shepherd. But here he's showing that he also cares about physical needs. Now, these people had obviously been around for three days and without food. So we know it didn't happen during the Christmas and New Year holidays. Nobody goes without food then. Uh, that was long enough for Jesus to know that some of them would likely collapse if they tried to make the trip back home. He had once fasted 40 days, so he understood being hungry. Mark chapter 8, verse 4. And his disciples answered him, 
Where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? Now, you might think, how stupid are these guys? I want to show you they're not. It wasn't that long ago Jesus had fed 5,000 men plus women and children. And on that same day, He gave this great discourse, which you can find in John 6, 22 to 40, about Him being the bread of life. Trust me, there is not a chance in the world that the disciples didn't remember the feeding of the 5,000. So why this Q&A about where to get food? Well, I believe the disciples right away caught on. And I think they were saying this out loud just to acknowledge their own lack of resources. They weren't playing dumb. They knew what happened at the previous mass feeding miracle. So it's reasonable to think they probably vocalized this question for the sake of those in the crowd who could hear the interchange between them and Jesus, and then they could relate it to the others after the miracle was done. That makes a lot of sense as you read on, verse 5 through verse 8. And he was asking them, how many loaves do you have? You know, little loaves of like bread cakes. And they said, seven. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground And taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and broke them and started giving them to his disciples to serve to them, and they served them to the people. They also had a few small fish, and after he had blessed them, he ordered these to be served as well. And they ate and were satisfied, and they picked up seven large baskets full of what was left over of the broken pieces. All right, this is mass feeding version 2.0. Same scenario as the previous miracle that was so much like it. With each passing of the food, it multiplied. I don't know how that was, but it's got to be something that would just make you grin from ear to ear to see it. Each person got to see his meal come into being right before his eyes before he ate it. Fish that never swam. (laughs) Bread that was never baked. Wow! Just fish, bread, fish, bread, fish, bread. More than they started with is taken up in the leftovers just like last time. And would you notice, a little detail here, Mark says they ate and were satisfied. The word translated satisfied describes eating until completely full. That's the point at which Americans go on to the next course. But it means this wasn't like the plane flight where you've got three hours and they give you a little bag of pretzels that's supposed to take care of you until you get there. Everybody got all they wanted. And there were big baskets of leftovers when they were all sated. And Matthew, or Mark rather, explains that um, there were about 4,000. I think um, you're probably looking at a slide that says Matthew 8, 9. It's actually Mark 8, 9. 
About 4,000 were there, and he sent them away. But Matthew says in Matthew 15, 38, And those who ate were 4,000 men, and then Matthew adds again, besides women and children. So this time probably a total crowd of between 10 and 15,000 ate miracle food. Now I've got a minute here to, to give you a little sidebar, not specifically about this text, but about a way that you can, from this text, respond to a, a criticism of the Scripture. Um, you know that skeptics like to attack the Bible. The most common attack is to say, I can't believe the Bible because of the contradictions that are there. It's really easy to deal with that. Somebody says that, oh, let me get my Bible, show me the contradictions that you've been studying. Because it's almost always a smokescreen. They heard somebody say that somewhere, and they don't really know what they're talking about. And there are no contradictions. There may be some apparent contradictions when you don't yet know what the passages mean, but there's always a way to respond to it. And if they do give you one that you don't know the answer to, golden opportunity to witness to them again when you get together next week and bring the answer to their question. Because there are good answers, and we'll help you find them if you need them. That's the most common attack. But there are others that skeptics use. And this is one passage that's sometimes used in an attack on the Gospels. This attack says that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not really first century accounts based on eyewitnesses. Um, the attack says that they were compiled later from fragments of oral tradition. And one of those things, and I did read this many years ago, and it's still around, says that the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000 are clear evidence that we don't really know what happened because this is just, obviously, the story went this way and said 4,000, the story went that way and said, and said 5,000. It all came from one event that was probably made up or it was greatly inflated in the retelling. That's why you hear that nonsense about being in pursuit of the historical Jesus. I mean, we assume that whatever Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John say, he didn't say and he didn't do. And we're going to try to find the real historical Jesus. That's the idea, sort of like just blow away what the text says and then make up your own theory about where it came from. So the allegation is that this can't be true because there are two very similar accounts that disagree. So how do you answer that. Well, actually, the distinctions between the two accounts underscore the veracity of both of them. The details that are provided help to distinguish them because they are the kind of details that only eyewitnesses would provide. Now, in Mark's case, he wrote it Peter was apparently uh, the eyewitness, but it was a very close connection between those two. But if you look at this, they clearly are two different uh, events. They happened in different locations. Jesus fed the 5,000 plus women and children near Bethsaida on the northeast corner of the, northeast of the Sea of Galilee. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.